0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. Today, we are going to be talking about the heterosexual double binds. So this is about the contradictory expectations for straight men and straight women and how they can set us up for uh, behavioral norms and how that might be changing today. And we're going to discuss that. Uh, There's also been some very big news that Eliza announced on her Instagram account. So if you miss (laughs) that, she is pregnant. So congratulations, Eliza. How are you feeling?
1: Thank you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean I'm, ha- I'm really happy about being pregnant That sounded like it was a mistake <laughs> It, it, it yeah, wasn't Yeah it did not sound good Just, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of <laughs> side effects that come with pregnancy okay. I was not prepared for uh, But I, I am here I'm doing it I went against the advice of my physio Who said your back is so like Fuck don't ever oh. get pregnant for a long time And now I understand why she said that uh, So <laughs> So, but it's been a happy time. It's been really exciting. I was really touched by how many Amazing. messages I got um, the other day when I put it on my, especially because most of the time I always get uh, Instagram messages, like nine out of 10 will be from like male listeners. And then all of a sudden I just had all this these women coming out of the woodworks <laughs> from this podcast being like, oh my God, a baby, congrats. It's so funny how like that is the thing that, that makes them all message me but it was really cute it was wholesome congratulations
0: you're already nearly halfway through aren't you four and a half months in
1: yeah well pregnancy isn't nine months it's (laughs) ten so interesting little fact there that's quite depressing but yeah four and a half months through a little bit of four months um so oh you're gonna be a mom that's so crazy
0: that's (laughs) exciting um well there you go raising boys
1: (laughs) So no. <laughs> no toxic masculinity in this household. <laughs> gonna, my boys going to be to Deal fuck. with the uh,
0: other Central Coast kids <laughs> that are probably going to instill a bit of that toxic masculinity into him. So. I know.
1: You know what? That is something that really? we've been talking about that, a lot. Like that. shit. Um, yeah, because all these kids have been um, terror- terrorizing the locals on my um, in my suburb, and it's like all over the Facebook page, like. These three teenage boys did this and these boys did this, but they're starting so young, like the problematic kids on the Central Coast are like 12. That's
0: when it starts, um, so that's when it begins, some, that's when the delinquency initiates. When, yeah. um, so we're definitely going to delve into <laughs> that a bit more during this podcast <laughs> and as I said, the heterosexual double bind, but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors. One of the sponsors of this podcast is Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy have a huge range of male sexual health products. they got condoms. So, look, uh, if you want to avoid what's happened here with Eliza, you want to get some Steady Freddy condoms. They're ultra thin, super lubricant. Get on it. They're the best condoms <laughs> in the world. And they also have the Ball Boost tablets. I've actually been taking these. They're, they're very uh, – they, they definitely improve your virility. And your uh, energy and enthusiasm. So uh, go and get some Steady Freddy Ball Boost tablets. But uh, their most famous product is definitely their delay spray. And it was formulated by Dr. David Reiner, all approved by regulatory authorities. And if you suffer from premature ejaculation, chuck on the Steady Freddy delay spray. It will help. And go to SteadyFreddy.com. Use the code Cells for 15% off. SteadyFreddy.com. Use the code SEXCELLS for 15% off. And another sponsor of this podcast is Crush Organics. Crush Organics have a huge range of CBD oil products. Get yourself some CBD oil. It'll help with stress, with anxiety. It'll just help you relax. They've got a huge range with all sorts of uh, different strength. And they've also got gummies. They've got Pain cream, they got bath bombs, they got CBD oil for your pets. If only Vladimir Putin took some CBD oil. We won't be worrying about World War Three. okay? If Vladimir Putin grew back <laughs> his hair, became a hippie, took some CBD oil, <laughs> the world would be a much better place. So go to crushorganics.com, use the code NEIL for 40% off. And as we've always mentioned, we have topics, questions, and shout-outs available on this podcast So if you'd like to send in a topic or a question or a shout-out for Eliza and I, go to neilcolhatker.com slash podcasts. All the money from those subscriptions goes straight to charity. And last announcement, I've got shows all across Australia. Well, Melbourne, Sydney, Western Sydney, and Newcastle. (laughs) We're definitely planning to hit up some of those other cities soon enough. These are regular shows. Every show is different. There's improv, there's stand-up. It's Everything. Your heart desires. So go to neildan.com for that one. Okay. There we go. Look at me go. Getting very efficient with all that mm. housekeeping. That was good. So let's <laughs> let's go back to the yeah. <laughs>
1: How have you been? Yeah, Where well, your I, just, lights?
0: I, I was stupid in the last one because I realized this is cropped down to a like a square. And those lights look really nice in a wide screen. So look when I do those monologues on my YouTube channel, they'll be there. Uh... And yeah, rest assured. I've absolutely. changed my whole look, my whole aesthetic. You know, got a basically got a mullet going on here. Got an eyebrow slit. These foreboding red lights. Yes,
1: yeah. and lights. I'm a psycho. I'm, I'm, uh,
0: <laughs> look, I'm uh, I'm utilising my inner having an identity uh, crisis. dark triad traits <laughs> and utilising them for something beneficial. Good. I like it. Good. Think. But how's uh, how's Adrian when he, when Good. when you told him the news? How did he respond?
1: He's so excited. Adrian has just like, I I told you this before, but he was telling like um, someone once that they were like, what's like your mission in life? What gives you passion in life? He's like, oh, just having a family. Like that's the purpose. And I was like, we don't even have a family. But so he's really excited. He's like, Bought all the books, amazing. <laughs> um, and I was like, "Babe, I already know everything. Don't worry." But no, he wants all the books, so he and he does read books. So that's he's, a big been, deal. Um, he's been good. He's been. Have you been getting any cravings? Life, so was, he, yeah, he he read the whole Brain Child, so oh, yes, actually, um, I've been craving cheeseburgers, and I'm vegan, and I've never had a cheeseburger in my life. But the smell of it, I I just know the taste of it from the smell, and I crave that. And I've been craving red wine. And I also don't drink alcohol so, and I can't when I'm pregnant. Um, I'm allergic to that Cheeseburgers and red so wine.
0: That's an interesting weird, combination. You got the real cravings, trashy so. food there and the and the fancy one. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that you, yeah. you may have had a cheeseburger more than yes. a decade ago, but your body still remembers <laughs> how, how, how wonderful it tasted. And you're yeah. still exuding cravings for that.
1: I don't oh, know if wow. I've ever had one. I honestly have no idea, but yeah. <laughs> so um I was I went through like a phase of eating like three um Hungry Jacks Rebel whoppers a week. That was it. kinda hitting the spot. Um but I've now <laughs> I've banned myself from there. I tell you They're nice. really good though. They're good. For, <laughs> Make uh, sure you ask for vegan cheese and I don't vegan butter. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. They're not good for you. They're good for the soul. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's been it so far. Cravings okay. have been not good for such the a
0: yeah. It's a, this is crazy. <laughs> this is so exciting. So, um, congratulations and yeah, wow. Yeah, okay.
1: Thanks. A lot. A lot of people also were messaging me even from this podcast. Like I had like from my life and from this podcast. Like ten people say I knew it. Like I just knew it. And I was like, how do people from the podcast know? Like
0: you got the do glow. I just look
1: <laughs> different. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> definitely not the glow (laughs) i'm waiting for the glow to kick in um hopefully
0: soon (laughs) either way yeah that's exciting and we'll we'll definitely have to do a lot of podcasts now about uh well what it's like being pregnant and what it's like for the relationship no we've got (laughs) to do that
1: (laughs) no one no (laughs) it's it's so
0: relevant now no (laughs) one would be better equipped to talk about it than you so (laughs) why would everyone hate that let us know in the comments would you hate it if we uh, did some podcasts about pregnancy and, and preparing for a family preparing be for right. a child these are these are important things
1: I feel like our, our listeners are too like young
0: I don't know we got to for
1: this conversation or maybe the realities of of what it like so not the non-romanticized yeah. version of preparing for a child Very important. I think is important
0: I mean, Um, even if they are young, it's good information to know because statistically they'll be doing that one day and good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. But you had... We shall see. Have you got any exciting news? Nothing compared to that, really. Um, Right now I'm just very focused on starting this uh, regular comedy show business. So... I'm trying to change the direction of uh, my shows and and how a comedian would usually go about doing shows. So generally you do a run of uh, large shows, usually around festival time. So that's March to May in Australia. And that's when all the comedy festivals are. And that's when you
1: earn
0: most of your income actually. But I want to try something a bit different and I'm doing comedy and improv shows. We have special guests and because of that every show is different and we are hoping to have a few regular shows going on all across the east coast and then maybe some yearly or or bi-yearly ones in cities like adelaide and perth as well and the whole goal is to just create a, a, a consistent regular calendar of shows rather than having this one little period where you do everything and Setting up the business for all that, mm. that's what I'm doing that's and I'm gonna be, it's going to be a partnership. So there's a lot of, uh, it's a very, it is very stressful at the moment because it's sort of in the, that nascent stage where you have to set everything mm. up and then once everything's in motion, it's all going to be very calm and consistent. Well, hopefully, I'm sure it will, but right now it's just all a, a bit unpredictable and volatile, but it's part of the journey and I'm enjoying it at the same time. And my birthday. I think this podcast is coming out on thirtieth of March, which is my when this podcast is is coming out on the thirtieth of March. So I'll be twenty eight when everyone is listening to this. So yeah, thank you, thank you. Two years of the twenties left. Let's go. Yeah, (laughs) that's
1: exciting. (laughs) Let's go make it (laughs) make it worthwhile. See what happens. You know how people sometimes comment on this podcast, and they're like. they come across it randomly, and they don't know that you've done this podcast. And they're like, I thought he did comedy, and why have you stepped away from comedy? But and they don't realize you're doing both. What do you say your job title is, or like, how do you describe your job now when people ask you? Because oh, you I do say, so many. I things. say
0: comedian and podcaster. What do you just say that and do comedian and podcaster <laughs> just sums it up.
1: Oh, uh-huh. that's. I've started to.
0: I've started to Funny actually. Influencer? get accustomed to saying influencer because it was so cringy at the start and I would have hated to to define myself by that. But now I just own it. I say, yeah, (laughs) I'm a TikToker and an influencer. And then if I ever travel internationally and and I have to do that boarding pass, I'm definitely going to write TikToker and influencer. Why not? That's what I am. That's what I am. So, TikTok comedian, influencer, podcaster, extraordinaire. (laughs) <laughs> so, basically, a wanker, a Extra- big old wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said so, it. So, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive into what we're going to be talking about today. So, this was a topic you wanted to talk about and I think it's, uh, it's very relevant and it's interesting. And I also want to touch on how... I feel like it's changing a lot and and quite rapidly. Now, that could be very different from other people's perspective, but Mm. uh, how about you introduce the topic and the main points and what we can
1: dive into based on that? So I kind of got inspiration because I had a message from someone who was telling me that um, she is really struggling with intimacy with her boyfriend. And it actually wasn't um, related to this heterosexual double bind, but it kind of reminded me of it. So I thought that's a really good thing to unpack because it's such a common uh, issue in in relationships, but people don't actually know that there is um, a reason for it or a phrase for it. So basically the idea of the heterosexual double bind is that Um, Obviously, heterosexual meaning man and woman. So we're talking about straight relationships here. And it's that men and women express intimacy um, differently and have uh, emotionally connect in different ways. So women um, tend to, and this doesn't apply to everyone. This is only speaking for majority. um, And women tend to crave emotional intimacy through um, like verbal affection, or talking, opening up, etc. And men tend to crave intimacy through sexual or physical touch um, connection. And the bind that happens is that women end up withholding sex because they want more emotional intimacy and they need that emotional intimacy prior to having, you know, sex and sexual intimacy um, because it helps them kind of like when they feel connected emotionally, they're more likely to get connected physically. And for men, typically it's the opposite where they crave that physical intimacy and then it allows them to feel comfortable in opening up um, and be having that emotional intimacy. So what happens is women withhold sex because they want emotional intimacy and men uh, withholding emotional intimacy because they're seeking sex. Um, and then you're stuck in a cycle, they can't break out of it, and then I guess the kind of unpacking of it is it's the cultural norms, biological, all these things. So. That's that's the
0: gist. Oh, it makes perfect sense. (laughs) Does that make sense? It definitely applies to some former relationships I've had in my life and it's extraordinarily frustrating because two people both feel like they're not getting what they crave and what they want and these things feel very natural because uh, it's their love language more than anything else. And again, as Eliza said, this doesn't apply to everyone, but men are more likely to express love physically and and women are more likely to express that love emotionally and and physically Mm. but maybe in a sort of non-sexual way as well so with more cuddling and kissing and hugging and men kind of tend to take Mm. any form of physical intimacy as a as a step towards engaging in in sex and i think for any men listening that's actually something you can i mentioned this i think two podcasts ago uh if you can train yourself to be physically intimate without necessarily being sexually intimate I think that's a good thing Uh, I think that's a good thing for you and and most likely your partner and for the relationship as well Mm. and as I always ask in in these uh, conversations I do wonder how much of this is biological and how much of this is cultural I'm sure it's a combination of both a common thing I hear even sometimes from my girlfriend and from a lot of women is that I don't like having to spell it out for um, my boyfriend or my partner. I want him to just understand that <laughs> yeah. that I need uh, affection, that I yeah. crave that uh, desire and that sexual in- or, or physical or non-sexual intimacy. And then that can be very frustrating for men who think, well, just say it, just ask for it and I'm, yeah. I'm willing to provide, I'm willing to do that. But then at the same time I've seen uh, – a few responses uh, from women saying I tried being very direct, and he said I was too abrupt, or it was a turn off, or it wasn't feminine, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's yeah. Nagging. And then with and uh, yeah. men, they
1: Hysterical, yeah. are
0: often they can be shamed or shut down when they ask for more sexual intimacy. Uh, and a, a common response is the woman yeah. might feel like, well what am I just an object for you to use, et cetera, that sort of line of reasoning and that can frustrate yes. the man a lot because yeah. no, like I want to express my love for you. I'm not trying to use you and use your body or anything like that mm. and so there's this huge disconnect mm. in communication but also in the, in the way we uh, perceive these kind of endeavours. So how do you unpack that? How do you resolve something like that? Because it's so common. It's almost there's a – I would almost say that there's a degree of this in every heterosexual relationship. Uh, It's more uncommon to find a relationship that doesn't exhibit some form of this uh, tension.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they said, um, you know, in when I was studying relationship counselling, that firstly financial um, issues are the number one thing fought about, and this is the second most common argument amongst married couples this exact situation and just to jump straight into the kind of controversial aspect of it and um and sex without yet unpacking it what's really interesting is that men you know i we all understand oh no we don't all understand but some of us understand that men need that you know physical intimacy in order to express their love and I know this is going to piss people off so I please don't think I'm shaming men but what's really inter- interesting is that a lot of women state that physical intimacy does not feel loving to them at all when they have sex. In fact, heterosexual women rate their sex lives the lowest out of every other group so um, Heterosexual men get the highest amount of sexual satisfaction and orgasms. And then it's gay men, gay women, bi women, and heterosexual women are the very So, last, gay men are not the, lowest. the top. So, it's interesting.
0: Surprising. No, okay. it was
1: heterosexual men. <laughs> That's what I, I was surprised to hear that too. Yeah, I thought gay men would have been at the top, but no. Um, so... I just thought it—it it is a really interesting aspect that they, you know, men say, this is how I express my love, but the women aren't feeling always love through that because they're not, maybe not getting the sexual satisfaction they need in order to be like, I could see that he was devoted to me during the sexual intimacy. I could see that he was caring about my pleasure or ABC. And that's not for every man that has sex with women, obviously. Uh, But I just thought it was kind of like a little interesting side note there for sure that (laughs) it's definitely something to think about um, when you're having intimacy or if you're that guy that's saying like, I want sex with my woman. Well, how satisfying is that sex with her? And and also, how do you communicate to her about that? This is how I feel connected because- I haven't really experienced it in a way that I basically, I don't think I've, this sounds going to sound so gross when I was going to say, I've never had a man complain, but I haven't genuinely haven't ever heard it from a man. So I don't know how it, would, how it feels as a woman to be like, I want more sex or blah, blah, blah. So I can't comment from my own personal experience or whatever, but I think that the way in which it's communicated needs to be very delicate because, you know, people are sensitive and people don't want their egos hurt. And as soon as someone feels inadequate, like if a woman says to a man, you're not satisfying me and uses the, that language, he's going to feel inadequate and shut down and then it's going to end up in another different different cycle entirely about sex. So um, it, it, it is an interesting thing because when, when people or, or experts – um, unpack it they do say that this heterosexual double bind comes from our upbringing then it comes from the culture of women are brought up you know expressing and um, having very emotionally intimate conversations deep conversations especially with other women and what's interesting is that the more that a woman is brought up with that um, kind of upbringing where they can express themselves completely, the more they expect of a man to do the same, which I can definitely attest to. I think that I had an upbringing like that. And I definitely have high expectations of my partners to do that as well. Um, and like Adrian is not a verbally <laughs> intimate person at all. He's very uncomfortable and shy talking about things like that. So he, he'll he be like, but I did this. I cooked you dinner. I did this. I gave you a A V C And I'm like, that doesn't matter to me. Like this is what matters so it's it's such a common um relationship it's not even an issue it's often just a a a factor of relationships that is influencing our intimacy sometimes for the better and but most usually when you're stuck in this bind it's for the worst
0: (laughs) having that request in a intimate partnership to essentially ask someone i expect more from you sexually you can you can sugarcoat it as much yeah. as you want, but that is a intense thing for the other person to hear. And not only that, that's probably the least effective way to actually mm. inspire desire within them. Because when they feel like there's pressure on them yeah. to be more yeah. sexual, that's not a turn on. And that's not a turn on for both men and, and women. I can say mm. that from my personal experience on both ends there, I've uh, been in a relationship where I uh, desired more, Uh, sexual intimacy and then I've been in a relationship where she desired more sexual intimacy and it then the sex is not very enjoyable Mm. when I feel like I I, I'm doing it because I have to yeah but at the same time
1: yeah
0: this is a very like you say it's it gets to an area where it becomes quite politically incorrect uh, especially with some of the norms that we have today because Mm how much are you obligated to sexually satisfy a romantic partner, especially someone you're in a long-term committed relationship with? And for me, I think there needs to be some semblance of compromise within reason. And it's very contextual. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if the man wants sex twice a day and the woman wants sex once a week, then maybe, I I don't know, what what would you think in that situation? Should you actually try and negotiate something like that? Because... Funnily enough, I was listening to a podcast by, of course, who else, Jordan Peterson, and he was saying that a lot of people don't know how to negotiate effectively but also kindly in this situation and that resentment builds up and that just makes it Mm. far more worse. So, I mean, this is just me. I'm not trying to say this is the sort of advice that an expert may give or something like that. I tend to go into relationships now thinking, well, even if I'm not comfortable expressing a degree of emotional intimacy, I'm going to try and do as much as I can in that regard, not just for my partner, for the sake of the relationship. And as I have said previously, I like Mm -hmm. to imagine the relationship as an entity, but beyond the two people who are actually in it. And so what can I do that may not even be enjoyable for me after a certain, uh, 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 to a certain extent, but if it's good for the health of the relationship, not only will I do it, I'm willing to do it. And I want to do it because I want the relationship to prosper. And I think if people go in with that sort of a mentality and try to go above and beyond, even if it's not necessarily coming from the partner saying, hey, I expect you to do this or I want you to do this. But if two people say to themselves, okay, I can sort of ascertain some nonverbal cues here from my partner and, and I can uh, I can, whether it's directly communicated or implicitly communicated, I can sort of guess... They might want a bit more emotional intimacy or se- sexual intimacy. I'll then make an effort over the next couple of weeks. That, all right, I'm going to try to amp that area of my relationship up. But, like I say, I'm not a I'm not the therapist here. So, yeah. uh, what do you think about something like that?
1: Yeah, uh, it's really it's such a tricky situation, and I get messages about this all the time um, about that. Who, who needs to make is someone have to have more, less self-sacrifice the sex that they want or does someone have to just put out when they don't want to and it's such a like challenging space to be in and you don't want to feel like someone's doing it out of obligation or because they have to maintain the relationship blah, 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 it is really hard. So I think that, you know, it kind of comes down to, I actually do agree with Jordan Peterson in that negotiations around sex, especially later in relationships or in long-term relationships is really important. Um, And I suggest that people have those conversations prior to getting married, definitely like what, what do you see as a healthy sex life? Like how, how much is it? And people never want to put a number on it, but I actually encourage people to push it because you can say, I, oh, I want it frequently. And for some people frequently is daily. And for others, it's monthly, um, depending on, you know, your relationship experience prior or your expectations. So I do think that it's important to say, what would your ideal number be? Here's mine. Um, do we meet in the middle, those kind of things. Do we, Do we um, do some week on, week off? Like I know some couples say on week A, um, the man can initiate and she will, you know, when she, when he initiates, she will follow through. And when it's week B, if the woman feels like it, or it can be week or it can be month, then um, she will initiate when she wants to. If not, no one initiates those kind of things. Or why don't we do it? This many times a week, some couples even have a schedule like on Saturday night, it's date night. And that's when we get we connect physically as well. Um, Other couples are very comfortable to go months without sex and they still have a really solid uh, relationship without any issues. And I think, you know, people that are asexual actually tend to end up in relationships with people that aren't asexual. So they have to navigate that sexual desire as well and i think finally that there is an obligation asexual people aside i think for this um because it's you know it they fall into a different category but anyone else outside of that well it, well anyone in general i guess have an obligation to really reflect internally and do work on what what brings me desire and what brings my partner desire um because without having those conversations, you know, someone might say to me, what turns you on? And I'll be like, oh, neck kisses and this or that or whatever. But maybe I don't actually even recognize that I can only get into that space if like, say the house is clean or my work's done for the day or if it's in the morning or something like that. So that's why I always really encourage that book, Come As You Are. It's so informative to helping people realize what desire means for them and how to communicate that, because you may find that actually that person has the same amount of desire with you. And this is what this book is about, that women tend to actually typically have the exact amount of sexual desire as men, but that there are certain environments in which they want that sex that they their partners are not aware of, or they themselves are not aware of, so can't communicate hey, I want it in the morning or, hey, I want it when this is happening or something like that. So I think that we are obligated to know and be aware of ourselves and our desire and what brings desire Yeah, that's a
0: huge lesson a lot of people need to learn, which is that uh, because I perceive desire a certain way, that does not in any way, shape or form mean that my partner perceives desire in that exact same way. And if anything, I shouldn't be necessarily taking it personally if – they maybe reject certain advances or want a different roadmap of desire to get to a sexual intimacy. And to have those conversations are really important and to also not work on your insecurities. If if you feel like you're not being desired enough in a relationship or there's a, a, a lack of emotional intimacy, that's also something to not necessarily negotiate but understand that people have maybe different thresholds and different ideas of of what is expected and what they crave yeah. and and then also I think a, comp- a healthy compromise there is necessary you don't want to get into a situation where one partner is saying like well you have to match exactly what I want and desire and exactly how it mm-hmm. needs to be expressed and if not that means you don't love me that's uh there's a few uh, yeah. instances of that on our uh, favorite show going on at the moment. I know everyone hates it when we bring that up, but uh, that uh, gets <laughs> to me a little bit. Uh, so, just stepping out of your own body, if yeah. anything, if you want to call it that, uh, and just understanding, hey, look, there's a, there's a completely yeah. different human being here who would invariably like different things, expect different things, perceive different things in in different ways, mm-hmm. and and the the better you can understand that and get to know their way of expressing desire and receiving desire, the the better the relationship is going to be. Uh, a big one people talk about is yeah, the response after orgasm for men versus women. So uh, for women, that's when they have a spike in oxytocin yeah. after orgasm, so that's when that's the bonding chemical, and that's when they are most likely mm-hmm. to m- want and crave emotional intimacy and closeness and yeah, Tuddles, looking kisses, looking into each other's words, eyes and all yeah. of that. Whereas for men, after, yeah. uh, I don't know the exact hormone. I don't know if you can help me out. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's serotonin. i assume, it's, I'm sure hormone. there's a bit of dopamine yeah. in there as well. Uh, so yeah. men just want to relax. That's why a lot of men will go go to sleep after, yeah. after they've ejaculated and that can be yeah. very, Perceived as quite offensive, but these are these are biological. Yeah, here. this alcohol. is not culture. That that part in particular, mm. uh, for men, there's a there's a hormone. I'm not and again. I'll I'll, mm. I'll just articulate. I'm not extraordinarily well versed on this, but there's a different hormone, vasopressin, and that's a, a bonding hormone mm. for for men more than anything else, and that seems to increase when commitments. A made and when the man feels like he is in some sort of a, a mm-hmm. commitment and there's and there's aspects such as loyalty and organization mm-hmm. if anything, then that's when the man feels most bonded but like I say I'm not I'm, maybe everyone can look up vasopressin that's a that's yeah. a hormone that people don't talk about a lot, but it mm-hmm. is very uh, impactful in the way uh, mm-hmm. men feel love and and desire and particularly in a long term relationship. Uh, so,
1: yeah, that's why they're they're always saying get get yourself a woman that's loyal, get yourself a woman that's your ride or die. Yeah. Like it's such an interesting kind of narrative. Do you know what else is interesting? I find is that when it's the man that is seeking physical intimacy, he's very overt. In it's always that he always just touching me, he was always grabbing me, and blah, blah, blah. But when it's women, when it's the reverse where women are wanting the physical intimacy, they will not touch him. They will not initiate. They will sit back and wait and then be like seven days have passed and you have not touched me once. It's such an interesting, like complete opposite way where they're both seeking sexual connection but handled completely differently and both kind of are confusing to the other person and turn turn them off. So it's um
0: yeah, a little definitely. food for thought.
1: <laughs> is how do you, how do you reach out to your partner for, um, for that intimacy or when you are like, do you initiate? I think that a lot of women have, have are uncomfortable initiating, um, sex and things like that, or physical intimacy. So it's an interesting kind of, um, and that's kind of comes back actually to this double bind is that it's women are brought up to be very comfortable with their emotional intimacy. Um, but they're not, being celebrated or um as comfortable to talk about their sexual needs sexual endeavors like sex in general but men are um although I do agree and think that this is this is definitely changing at least in you know our uh, Sydney Australia and in other Western cultures but for majority of the world it's not changed yet
0: <laughs> yeah for a large percentage of the world just sex Hopefully in general does, is still but- a taboo topic <laughs> yeah. that you just don't talk about it all and it's not helpful when it's also talked about in a gossipy childish way where everyone chuckles just because the topic is brought up i think that's very puerile and people should have very mature conversations about it because it's such a if anything you could argue one of the most significant factors of living and life and it's how you create life as as you would know (laughs) so uh we got to we got to definitely be talking about it <laughs> yeah. a lot more, not just um, through the lens of politics and culture, but just through the lens of hey, look, this is how we can better improve the sexual circumstances in this in this given relationship. Um, I think it's worthwhile understanding a lot more about how the average person of the opposite sex responds in all of these situations, and we've touched on this a lot on this podcast. But if if you read there's there's countless books uh, that go into this uh, as we've mentioned esther perel is absolutely brilliant on this and oh, i'm mind blanking on her probably her most fa- famous book um but uh what's it called yeah mating in captivity that's mating it in captivity? that one will give you a hell yeah. of a lot of insight into these issues i cannot recommend that one enough mm-hmm. so if you're struggling in this situation mm-hmm. go ahead and read mating in captivity by esther perel she goes through a series of uh she's a sex therapist psychiatrist i'm I'm in that field definitely but she goes through a series of uh clients she's had and unpacks their issues around desire and intimacy and it it really it just gives you so many tools for a potential partner or even your current partner and in how exactly to navigate those issues if they are to come about because it's a different person to person and coming back to uh what you were saying about how yeah. women don't are not are not necessarily taught to express their sexual needs in a healthy way i've also heard from women that they don't mm-hmm. want to be the initiator they they want the man to just kind of do that and when they do the initiation they they almost can get resentful over that sometimes and feel like oh i shouldn't be the one having to do this is there a lot of truth to that yes or and you know <laughs> is that just me
1: <laughs> yes in this is anecdotal this is my scientific only <laughs> I, don't, I actually can't remember if i've read this um from studies or if I'm just saying this because I always say it, but women are the most turned on when they are feeling desired. Um, And in order to feel desired, they want that man or or their partner to seek and reach out for them um, physically and intimately. So I think that desire for women and feeling desired is so, so so important um and i i just say to everyone and often it's that yeah i always hear like girls saying yeah like we have sex but i just i don't feel like sexy i don't feel this and it's sometimes it's either because one like they're not initiating the girls are initiating and the men are not um and they're not like feeling sexy because of that because they felt like oh well you know, I stimulated his penis and now it's directly at sex. Like, did he even want to, that kind of just cycle of thinking or also because they're not getting that um, intimacy and desire outside of the bedroom as well, which I think is a really important part in order to kind of set that scenario in order to move towards sex or even just having or maintaining that baseline of, intimacy. And I say this to my partner all the time, cause he doesn't get it, um, being a man <laughs> and that like, you know, your sex life is one thing that can be all good and well, but you also want to feel desire outside of when you're having sex. And like Adrian always gets a little bit confused by that. And he's like, but why? Like, why do you need to feel desire outside of sex, sex means you are desired kind of thing. But what I try to say to him as well is that like, in order to move towards sex, I want to have that, you want to feel that emotional connection. So anyway, long story short, Adrian's a list person and he literally has a list on his phone of things that he ticks off every single day, meditate, stretch, like some, I think he lifts some weights. He reads, um, and then it's hug Eliza at least <laughs> three times and say something, some kind of word of affirmation. And he ticks oh, it literally. I cringe that it. it's adorable. on a list. I hate that, but it's how he processes his reminder to himself because he looks at his list every day and he can't, finish his day this is an anxious thing or an adhd thing i don't know but he can't finish his day unless every single thing of his list is ticked off that. so sometimes it's like 10 o'clock no and it's I'm,
0: like, it's very, I'm very similar <laughs> yeah, and i'm like well yeah
1: if it works it works yeah it's
0: uh <laughs> yeah for yeah. a lot of men they Just have to get in queue. the habit of doing something like that of expressing more emotional intimacy yeah and then i guess the the uh where yeah. it does get quite politically incorrect again is do you think it's fair for women to get into a habit of expressing more sexual intimacy or accepting more uh, advances from their partner if that's what the relationship desires, uh, if that's what the relationship needs?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, kind of. Like, well, I guess, first of all, when it comes to, say, Adrian doing this, you know, ticking off his list for me, to give me a a couple of hugs or remind himself to hold my hand and whatever. It also takes a lot of emotional maturity from me to not be offended and or think through my ego and think, oh, this fucking guy has to remind himself to hold his pregnant fiance's hand. Like what a piece of shit. Like, no, you can't think like that. You have to kind of change your way of thinking and thinking, wow, look how much effort he's putting in to make sure that my needs are met. He's literally writing a list so that he makes sure he's doing it every single day of the year. So the same goes for... The, the reverse when, um, you know, someone is thinking, well, she's just doing this because she has to, or she's obligated and things like that. Yes. That it hurts our ego at the same time. It's like, this person is putting in so much effort to maintain that connection and make me feel loved or make me feel connected. And I do think that this is a controversial, uh, kind of opinion amongst relationship therapists and I've said before in, in old podcasts that it is always split down the middle and exactly was split down the middle in my class as well in relationship therapy where 50% of therapists said if a if there's issues of you know sexual intimacy no one should ever push their client or encourage their client to step into that and and try to embrace their sexuality and do things like go on dates and um, do like role play or whatever. They say, don't like treat it really carefully, work with them psychologically, provide the support, unpack it. And then if they want to, they might work in, walk into it. And if they don't, they don't. The other half, which I tend to sit on myself, is saying that a lot of people have shown, or studies have actually shown that when a woman, or, or uh, a, sorry, I shouldn't say women, but when a, a partnership um, a relationship couple commit to having sex every single day or say six days out of the week for one, two or three months that it becomes so habitual that it actually sparks desire. Um, And then after that month has ended, they, they don't fall back to doing it. Not at all. They continue it. It may not be to the same extent of seven days a week. It may be three or four days a week, but it's still jumped up so much because they've learned like, this is enjoyable. This is like the routine. This is our habit. And it takes away that oh I've got this man trying to touch me when I don't want that or oh she's doing this because she's obligated. It's just it's the habit of the relationship, and they both have that have that buy-in to kind of fulfill that and do that. So I think it's a really helpful thing for. And you had to be careful like recommending it, like oh sorry you don't feel desire or put out for yeah. your partner. <laughs> like, but it is an interesting experiment that. You can try if that is healthy and safe for your relationship. And I will just put a disclaimer: this is not for people that have experienced any kind of sexual trauma or things like that. Sorry, that's my phone. This is for people that do not have yeah. a history of sexual trauma or severe intimacy issues, in which case it needs to be handled yeah, very differently.
0: Absolutely. And mm. habit forming is not just for the individual; it can be relationship habits that yeah. take time to form. And it's it's work to form those, but once they're formed, they become second nature and they're an unconscious process.
1: Yeah, and exactly. it's physiological Because you're sort as of well. using that yeah.
0: dopamine hit that you get from sex to build a habit that's uh, advantageous for the health of the relationship too. So it makes logical sense. That's very mm. interesting that they that they say that and every day as well. When wow.
1: having – yeah, yeah, they don't say – anything less than six times a week it has to be basically daily so it is sex pt um, an interesting little experiment that basically Are you fucking yeah i <laughs> it's think five like i can't remember stat, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> show me show me the condoms come on give me it's the proof it's at least like <laughs> show me the
1: videos <laughs> um but like i think it was like at least 85 or almost 90 percent of couples that participate in this say that it was um, effective in helping their relationship and fixing their issues of, of intimacy. And it helps, you know, it helps the man build that emotional connection. It helps the woman feel emotionally connected as well as physically connected. And the reason why I also recommend that book come as you are, um, is because, which only I will say focuses on women's sexuality. But if you're a man, I still highly recommend you to read it, especially if you have a partner that is a woman. Um, but basically it says, you know, well, there's a, a million different factors, but one of the interesting ones is that some women need to feel, um, you know, turned on emotionally before they can move into physical desire, blah, blah, blah. So they need to be stimulate oh no they need to be like have all of this um because i guess the psychological aspect of it like um to get them kind of in the mood and then when that when it doesn't happen they're like well we're not having sex because i'm not horny yet but for other women it's and then people don't realize this is that they can't get horny until they're being physically stimulated so they avoid sexual intimacy because they're not horny, but they don't realize that actually, (laughs) once I get started, I get turned on. And they don't know that about themselves, which is why I always push for that kind of internal reflection. And it's why... This is also that experiment that people do or partake in is because it helps women realize that, oh my God, I've been waiting for months and months and months to feel turned on, but I didn't realize I needed to allow my partner to touch me and feel me and even just fucking penetrate me in order to feel that desire and feel sexy and feel horny. So it came secondary rather than primary.
0: Interesting. And that would be a is an very, interesting thing. I, I'd imagine so much that would there. be
1: there such a natural be confronting thing so to discover
0: something like that because you'd have to be willing to engage in the sexual yeah. contact without actually feeling horny and that's not a that's that's very foreign to me I, yeah. I would think because i would you know what always comes first for me is the sexual attraction and then the actions so that would be a very strange thing to try and discover yeah but, yeah wow there you go
1: do you know what? Actually, I did experience that um, once as in, in reverse, I think, where I remember I had started dating this guy and obviously we know I've dated many people or whatever and I've had obviously yep. more than one sexual partner. <laughs> slain, what is if you're 200? New here, and he... <laughs>
0: Your mom knows about it. (laughs) That's
1: not said. (laughs) It wasn't. I joked that it was 200 once. My mom listened to the podcast and started telling Adrian's family I slept with 200 people, but it was a joke that happened. Um, (laughs) Disclaimer. Well, I don't want to start that rumor again, (laughs) which is fine if you have, though. Um, But, yes, I started Dating the Sky, and I remember this is when I was young and not as educated, and we were – I think we – We were just had decided to have sex. It wasn't like all this sexy stuff happening. We just said like, let's fuck or something. And um, I don't, I can't remember the context of it, but basically he pulled down his pants and he gave me a flaccid penis. And I was like shocked. I'd never seen a guy initiate sex without a full on erection. And I was almost like offended and just like, oh my God, what the fuck, like (laughs) I have to start from scratch. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking, but I just remember thinking like I was bothered by it. And then, you know, later on reflecting and becoming more mature and studying and years later, I realized that it was almost like there's such an expectation for men to be aroused by women all the time, constantly. And oh, the second I decide I want to touch your dick, it's not already hard. What the fuck like it it was so immature of me and so judgmental to have such an like an offended um reaction but it was the first time i had ever experienced that where someone had said hey i'm open well not said it but i guess like demonstrated i'm open to having physical intimacy let's get started um get me turned on and we'll have sex and I had just realized of this kind of gender expectation there where I sit here being like well if you want to have sex then you can turn me on but then the second it was the other way around where I I wanted to have sex and he was like well you can turn me on and he wasn't already turned on I was literally bothered by it so I think that there is a lot of gender harmful gender stereotypes and then i realized later on that that was me perpetuating toxic masculinity whilst being such an advocate against <laughs> toxic masculinity my whole life apparently um but didn't realize that in having that reaction i was actually yeah, wow. yeah being toxic self-discovery for you That's growing nice. that yeah I, I, I yeah interesting to me like yeah, he just pulled his pants down, and down and is like all
0: reflect. right go on <laughs> that's very uh that's very bold actually
1: yeah
0: <laughs> uh i find that
1: yeah now I look back and I think that's a sexy thing to do but at the time being like I don't know 19 or something I was
0: yeah I found it, it differs from
1: but I probably would yeah, have loved from woman that if to woman, that happened but woman. <laughs> uh
0: some definitely like the feeling of yeah. making a guy hard and that in itself turns a mom because yeah. oh I did that and similarly with with men you know when yeah getting yeah. a girl to that state of arousal that in itself is a turn on for the uh pro- i suppose there's the provider and the receiver yeah and people can take on those different roles yeah. so a lot of those uh arousal processes can be arousing for the other person just to just to be able to instigate that in yeah. someone else uh
1: Oh, I just I also do want to add to that, though. Well, I just want to like myth bust a little bit, though, that please men (laughs) learn that um, I guess wetness in a woman does not always equate to arousal. It does happen irregardless when women are aroused. It does usually happen, but it also happens all the time throughout the day if a woman is not aroused. Um, It's just our biology. Um, The vagina is self-cleansing, which is amazing, but it also means in order to self-cleanse, it self-lubricates itself randomly. So there's nothing, I guess, weirder than, and women joke about this all. It's like, you know how men have their little secrets? This is a woman's secret. And they joke about it all the time being like, oh, yeah. He was like, oh, you're so turned on. You're so, you're soaking wet. And she's like, nah, that's just discharge. <laughs> like, Wasn't even turned on at all. But it's, <laughs> but it's very funny. And some women get super super turned on and they're like you know extremely horny and they don't get wet at all um and they need loop especially the older you are if you've experienced menopause or just sometimes in general and then men are like she's not she's barely horny like she's barely she's not even wet um don't you want me kind of thing so it's don't equate wetness to an erection but also an erection doesn't also mean (laughs) that's
0: true anyway it's a whole science isn't it the nuances of uh private part (laughs) arousal hey the complexities and nuances of that do a whole podcast (laughs) on that there's a lot of resentment that can come from from uh we should well from both genders but particularly from men who and then this goes to a broader cultural phenomenon as well Mm. of uh, i'm doing so much and you're still not turned on this can happen within a relationship. I'm doing all these. I'm I'm yes. such a nice boyfriend for you. I'm whatever it may be, flowers and and cooking for you, and and trying to take initiative and and caring about your day, and 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 then when there's no sexual arousal, it can be very. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: it can get to a point where it's quite frustrating for a guy who may feel like he he wants to give up and you can almost observe this phenomenon happening collectively now with the, uh, I don't think incel is the appropriate word anymore because there's quite a substantial cohort of straight men now who are not necessarily resentful about it and and have those same ideas uh, that that get to the mm. political level, but just a lot of men who in theory are doing all the right things and all the things that Women are maybe asking for, but they're still not finding a lot of prospective partners. Yes, uh, perceive them in in a in a sexual way, and they and they even women will say, uh, uh, "Look, he ticks all the right boxes, but I'm just not aroused by him. I'm not turned on by him." So, what do you think about things like yes, that? Yes,
1: which is exactly why women need to read this book yeah, <laughs> that I keep are. talking about because it ex- it explains i can't remember her last name but it's written by emily something and it's a bright pink book but it explains that what's interesting is women actually have the exact same amount of desire and and libido as men but they need to understand themselves and what is what unlocks their desire and sexual attraction is not the same because we put a masculine or, or I guess the male experience and apply it to our own sexuality and it doesn't fit. It's not the same. There's hormones, women's hormone cycles are very different. There's a million different things of factor, the biology, etc. So it's if when you read this book, you understand this is what turns me on, this is what type of person I am. this is how my sexuality um, works. and you can find that people like millions of women that have read this book come out saying I'm hornier than ever, I just didn't know this about myself. And historically, women were knowing, like, you know how we have this kind of um, harmful belief in in um, today's society that women lack libido and men are horny all the time. It actually used to be the reverse historically where women um, – before therapy, talk therapy became a thing, um, anytime a woman was upset, it was assumed because she wasn't having enough sex yeah. and they called it hysteria. So if a woman had anxiety, depression, if she's not getting laid and enough, you need to do this. To... And that is literally yeah. why a dildo, yeah, the doctor would yeah. manually make her orgasm if she was grieving the death of her mother, a doctor would make her orgasm. And that's how a dildo was invented (laughs) for that exact purpose, Um, which is really, really interesting how now it is actually switched around and they view uh, men as the ones that are always horny and irrationally horny and women are the ones withholding it. So really people need to understand that we both have the same libido we both have the same desire. We just need the right context in order to express it and we need to have the self awareness yeah, in order to access
0: absolutely. it. And so I think For yeah, for very men interesting. can often hear some of the expectations or, or, or desires for women within the context of a relationship and think that applies to uh what is optimal in the field of dating and it, it can often be very different. So what I mean by that is women mm. might say things like I, yeah. I expect more, emo- I, I would like more emotional intimacy from my boyfriend. I want him to take uh, more interest in, in what I'm talking about and, and have those sort of salient cues of emotional desire. And then a lot of young guys might go on dates and try to exhibit those qualities and, and, and do what they feel is, is
1: yeah. optimal
0: for them to, to, uh, Rouse that desire in a, in a woman and it doesn't necessarily work for them because I think, well, I think, at least from my personal experience, uh, when you're dating and when you're trying to develop that initial attraction, that doesn't come from uh, obviously, that doesn't come from you know, doing first of all, doing the household chores and taking an interest in uh, <laughs> the events occurring in her life. But, I don't well, know. I mean, again, like this is my personal experience.
1: It might for women. That's why women get turned on when they see a man cleaning on that's TV. The,
0: that's another example where I uh, <laughs> would have to say that there's – and I can just only talk about my personal experience. Um, it's hard to sort of on a first
1: date
0: yeah, yeah. say, hey, look, I cleaned everything today. I mean, you know, <laughs> that that that's very rarely going to come up in conversation. But uh, <laughs> those there, there, there seem to be factors of desirability in a long-term relationship and they're not necessarily, again, it's just my personal experience, not necessarily the same factors that can create desirability when you're in the initial dating stages.
1: Yeah, definitely, 100%. And even like now, I noticed that I have fallen into that stereotype of expectations in, in men um, when I have was dating prior to Adrian or even when I was dating Adrian. And I remember like he was very much focused on, he we had the intentions to find, you know, he really, he's ready to settle down. He really wanted to find wifey, I guess. Um, and he was very much um, emotionally forward with, you know, I think you're amazing. I think you're such a good person, blah, blah, blah. Saying all these beautiful things to me. But I was like, why hasn't this guy tried to have sex with me? I was shocked. i was messaging my friends being like, we've been on five dates for like all day and we haven't had sex, we've kissed twice. I'm so confused. And that was me again, like putting expectations, being like, he hasn't fucked me by the third date. This is so weird. Um, and treating it differently, dating to relationship, because I wasn't looking at it as though this was going to be the love of my life or whatever, obviously he is now. Um, but it is interesting how we do have like these kind of different rules and, um, even though they're not rules, I guess it's subconscious or subliminal thoughts that are dictating how we progress in relationships, how we connect. Um, so it's definitely things to kind of consider and, and keep in mind. And, and one of the last points I wanna make, which is unrelated to what I was just saying, but was thinking about before when we were talking about women feeling emotionally connected, a really interesting study came out. Um, it was actually, it was it's quite old, but basically it says that men consider being in the same room, like watching TV or eating or not eating dinner, but like doing something together, or just sitting in the room reading together, they consider that as quality time together. Women that participated in the study said they actually don't consider that as quality time unless they're talking. Yeah. Um, and it was completely written off if they'd spent four hours in silence together, even if they're watching the movie, completely written off unless the men was taught talk- or the males were talking to them and saying like, you know, talking about their future, talking about how they are, how their day was. That's when they said we had such a nice hour together. So I thought that was really, yeah. really interesting. In my relationship, it's like the reverse. I feel like in a lot of these things I take on almost a masculine perspective and adrian's the one that wants to talk to me for hours <laughs> after i finish work and i'm like let's just fucking sit <laughs> in silence but um but yeah it's it is interesting i guess that yeah, applies it to most in, uh, <laughs>
0: in my relationship um even last night we we'd spent we had spent What's a couple she, of hours say? uh we'd it's not like we weren't talking but we were watching something and then um it was it was getting later and I said, "Oh, we have to get to bed soon, or something." And then she's like, "Oh, but we still—I still feel like we haven't caught up properly." I'm like, "What do you mean? What are you talking about?" <laughs> well, that pl- applies. That's—it's exactly the yes. uh, phenomenon to <laughs> definitely be aware of. Isn't yeah, it so it's funny? funny, isn't it? Um, but
1: yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: all of these things, everyone should know more about the opposite sex. And again, this doesn't apply to everyone, but these are just yeah. sort of average trends that, if you are aware yeah. of, it will drastically inform uh the behaviors you try and emulate and uh look towards in a relationship and also while you're dating. So Esther Perel, this book Come as you are I haven't yeah. read this one, so I'd be interested to read that. All the classics, men are from Mars, Women Are From Venus is a good one. Hormonal, the one I always uh stand <laughs> by. Uh yes. I did a podcast a couple of months ago, my reading list. That will definitely help out a lot. So the more you can read and, and educate yourself about these issues, the better equipped you'll be. But uh, I think we'll leave that one there. Thank you guys very much for listening. Once again, congratulations, Eliza. Look, I've, I've known for a while here, but we were just waiting. Ah, yeah, you were one you. of the first. Oh, I feel I- very privileged there. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> it's very exciting. So congratulations, and hey, uh, tell Adrian i said congratulations see. as well and it's very very exciting so uh we'll see yeah, we'll, we'll see do. we might be able to see a little baby in a podcast soon enough so that's going to be very adorable <laughs> um yeah, crossorganics.com use the code <laughs> neil 40% off Steadyfreddy.com, use the code sexsales 15% off come see me live neildan.com and send in some questions topics and or shout outs all the money goes to charity com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time. See you
1: next week.